Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's Welcome do it. Welcome to another episode <laughs> of Gone with the Bushes, where two generations of Bushes recap classic movies, give trivia our perspective, and hopefully entertain you. This week, we take you to Hollywood in 1954 for the film A Star is Born. Indeed. Welcome. This is the second of three A Star is Born uh, movies. We're doing the George Cooker's version with Judy Garland and James Mason. James Mason. There's going to be a lot of James Mason. And what, what accent is he exactly? I don't know what accent James Mason is, but I know James Mason. I've known how to talk like James Mason from before I knew who James Mason was. And that's all thanks to a bit by Eddie Izzard. <gasps> Eddie Izzard! <laughs> Eddie Izzard does this bit with James Mason, and I think it's like James Mason is God. And so he talks like James Mason, and I never knew who James Mason was. And then I'm watching this movie, and it's like James Mason, and then I'm like, oh, he sounds just like Eddie Izzard. Oh, that's great. So the whole movie, I'm cracking up, because I'm James Mason. <laughs> why didn't he ever use a full voice? I don't know why he always talks like this, but it's hilarious to me. You have a little bit of an Irish thing going on in there, too. So some James McAvoy, James Mason. James McAvoy Mason. <laughs> okay, people, we're going to have to entertain you this, this week because ah, this, was, this was a difficult movie to get through. It's one that you're supposed to see before you die. It's on, it's on lists of movies, must-see movies. Yeah. Okay, it was originally like two and a half hours long. Oh wait, wait, wait! I have. Let me go to my notes here. I have the the premiere. <laughs> oh, oh, people are gonna get so sick of me. <laughs> I want to. I all I want to do is talk like James Mason now. The premiere was 182 minutes. 182. The general release was 154 minutes, and then the restored version was 176 minutes. Did you get freaked out when the restorative part came in? Because I, I thought my computer froze. I had no idea. I, all of a sudden, I was like, what the hell is Cooker doing? Why did this just turn into, uh, what's that? There's this, like, this French film that was all done with still, photo still photography. And I was kind of obsessed with it in film school because I'm like, oh, it's so cheap. All, you can make a film with just still films. It's, it's so cheap and awesome. And I'm like, why did this all of a sudden become this? And it wasn't until I, uh, I Googled what's with the still photographs in 1954 as a star is born that I realized what the deal was. I was, you should have seen me hitting buttons on my computer. I thought my computer had frozen. And because the the talking goes on and you just see still photographs and it's like, what is the deal? We'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. So. Cause I, I looked it up and I, I kind of came, I was like, Oh, all right. And then, you know, like everything, we just kind of half scan and, you know, do research. You know what the people, if you want more information, you want to dive, dive deeper. Um, 
there's a thing called the internet. <laughs> Feel free to Google. Also, while well, well, I'm at it, I'm just going to apologize now. I'm I'm uh, all hopped up on cough medication and red wine. So uh, this is already a disclaimer. for I'm living the A Star is Born lifestyle right now. She uh, is indeed. Because the- not only in the film is James Mason. James Mason. Um, he's an alcoholic. I but- love alcohol. <laughs> Judy Garland in real life was trying to get off prescription pills. So I'm drink. I can't do a Judy Garland. I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you. I'm really glad to hear that. I I Um, was trying. No, I can't. That's okay. So this or can I? Two and a half hours long, and I wish that we had seen the version before they added the stills. Because my God, this was a long movie to watch. Actually, I didn't really have a problem with the stills because the stills, sad, like the stills were actually kind of needed. I, again, we'll get to that. But I, I kind of zoned out with uh, the musical numbers because, yeah, people, oh my God. this is a musical. Uh, yeah. And uh, now I know why your father hates musicals, because if this is what musicals used to be, hello, they could write a song about anything. The only thing that saves a song about a bird bath. Yeah. The only thing that that saves the musicals is, I mean, Judy Garland's got a fantastic voice. So while I'm like, well, this song, like this song is not for me. This this isn't this doesn't catch me. I'm not going to be humming this song in my sleep at night when I'm on the NyQuil tonight. Um, but her voice, there's like a characteristic about her voice that is just like, man, that woman, that's a voice right there. That's a voice. I'm telling you, one volume Doris Day has nothing on Judy Garland. Oh, no. Oh, no. Full-throated and Garland. Judy Garland, she was the original lip quiverer in the singing. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, her lips would just go woo 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 woo. Well, she's also doing that vibrato. Yeah, she's, very vibrato. Her, her vocal cords are doing gymnastics. They were doing something. So Judy Garland plays Esther Blodgett, an aspiring singer. James Mason is Norman Maine, who I'm Norman I will Maine. Probably call Norman Mailer a few times in this podcast. And he is a um, end of his career actor. He was like a great, great, the actor. And um, the alcohol really started to take things away from him. So was he like Cary Grant? Because they wanted well, Cary I- Grant to do the, to be... Uh, they, they wanted a lot of people to be. It was just like uh, Rhett Butler. They wanted um, Bogart passed, Brando passed, Fonda passed uh, on the film, not in, not dead. Stuart Sinatra. They wanted Sinatra to do it. At Cary Grant and many more um, all said no because it was about a washed-up actor and they were still in the prime of their career, so they didn't want to play a washed-up actor. And also, at this point, Judy Garland had a... She kind of had the Norman Maine... Uh, oh, what's the word? Oh, reputation. 
like in Definitely. real life because she you know they it's rumored that Cary Grant didn't want to do this because Judy Garland's a drug addict exactly exactly I have that written right here rumored Cary Grant didn't want to do to Judy Garland's drugs they were 41 days behind schedule because she kept calling in sick she took two weeks off to try to get off of prescription medications so it was yeah that was interesting Okay, so it's a Warner Brothers Films filmed in Cinescope. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, they had done a whole bunch of shooting, um, not in Cinescope, and then Warner Brothers was like, no, nah, man, we're going to do this in Cinescope. And they had to scrap all of that and reshoot everything that they had already done in Cinescope. Well, no wonder Judy Garland was doing drugs. Yeah. If she had to do that one number in the in their Malibu place oh. a second time, you, I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, they, these people, like, it just shows them being alcoholics. I'm like, there was cocaine involved. There was a lot involved. They had, they had to have some uppers to be uh, just reenacting all of this stuff. Oh, it was a film. Okay, so we start with Hollywood at night. It's nighttime, and you just, like, you're in the. Hollywood Hills, and you see the lights of Hollywood. And as the credits are rolling, uh, there were quite a few credits. And I noticed it was produced by Sidney Luft. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I wonder if this is when Judy Garland met Sidney Luft, but actually they were husband and wife at the time. Uh, yeah. She was actually pregnant with her third child during the filming of this, which, yikes. Oh. Um, they never mentioned that. They just mentioned how her weight fluctuated. But that would be uh, why. Yeah. But they still wanted her to be skinny, and she was never meant to be a skinny person. Skinny, skinny. Okay, so um, there's searchlights going. It's the Night of Stars, which I thought was the Academy Awards, but it was actually at the Shrine Auditorium. It was a, uh, a benefit night where all the stars come out and give money to the Actors Guild, I believe. Yeah, it was like, like, like you know, for the, for those, those, uh, your B through H list stars so that they right. can have like some health insurance and whatnot. Exactly, exactly. And, but it looked like the arrival of the Oscars. And I read somewhere that they actually used some footage of real arrival. Probably. Oh, let's say rumored, because I'm not sure. Alleged. <laughs> Allegedly. The, uh, the stars are arriving. The schmoes are on the street, excited to see all of their favorite stars. Um, uh, Lorna Lavery comes, and they interview her. And where the, where is Norman? Because wherever Lorna is, wherever Norman is, Lorna is soon to be around. She was, oh, my goodness. So um, so he comes in and he's drunk. And uh, the head of his studio, I'm not sure which studio it was. It's the it's a made-up one. It's the Oliver whatever, Oliver Nile studio, I believe. Yeah, and it's Oliver is saying, don't let him on stage, don't let him on stage. Because he was supposed to get on and either introduce an act or... Please, um, a big star, and everybody came to see me. I'm going to give the people what they want. 
That was closer until the very end when you became a Beatle. And um, so they're saying, he's here, he's drunk, don't let him go on stage. And he's backstage and he's messing around and he's running into people. And they actually had horses. I mean, it was yeah, a dog and pony show. And so he's, he jumps on the back of a horse and then he falls off. And um, laughing the whole time. He's having Norman Maine is having the time of his life. He was a happy drunk. Yeah. And so Judy um, um, Esther is singing with a band. And so they they're telling the band, hurry up, hurry up. You have to go on uh, early because Norman's not going to be on. And so the the human relations dude, Mr. Libby, says, why do I have, why do I hate you so? He really hates Norman because he feels like Norman is an elitist who gets whatever he thinks he's entitled to and he never gets in trouble for all these drunken shenanigans. Well, Libby is the guy in the studio who gets paid to clean up Norman's uh uh, bad behavior. Because back in the so, studio days, you know, if you did, if you were a star and you did something bad, they had these people who would come over and they would like a, like a fixer. Ray Donovan. Yeah. As it were. Um, so then, but then he's becoming not a happy drunk because people are telling him what to do and he doesn't like that. Don't tell me what to do. I'm losing it. He pushes Libby out of the way, and Libby goes. He's lost it. Libby goes through like a glass something. I don't know. And so the GW Orchestra goes on instead, and the audience is looking at their at their programs, going, "Well, what happened to Norman Mailer? I mean, everybody wants to see Norman Mailer. Yeah, everyone wants to see Norman (laughs) Mailer. I told you I was going to do that. Maine, Norman Maine. So Judy sings. She sings a song and she's choreographed. She's got her gams out. Yeah, she does have her gams out. Her gams are her gams are her ticket. And um, she hears screaming backstage, so everybody's cutting their eyes backstage, like, "What's going on? What's going on?" Norman Maine pushes his way on stage, pushes the uh, managers out of the way. So Judy sees him and she gets out of the spotlight and is trying to push him back stage. And he, now the spotlight is on the two of them. So she decides to make it into a thing. So she gets behind him and she's having him do the dance moves with her, moving his arms with her arms. Cause Hey, the show must go on. And he's loving it. He's like, what are you? Oh, you're moving. Oh, I see what we're doing here. No, no, no. So she saved the routine. She saved Norman Maine. And she saved the night. And at this, and she's, she's just a singer. She's a nobody. You know? She's just, uh, she's just filler between the stars. Exactly. I can't even think of somebody to compare her to. Probably like the fifth, um, the person who was voted off fifth in American Idol or something. She hasn't even gotten to American Idol. Like she's just, there's this band and they were just hired. She's, she's just on tour with a band. She's in a nightclub band. Yeah. And this is probably like their biggest gig of the year. Yeah, they should be pretty excited about it. Yeah. 
Um, so everybody backstage is talking about him, like, how is he still in pictures? And um, so she's talking to her manager, who's Danny. in the band, Danny. And um, she's talking, how is he still in pictures? I can't believe it. And he walks up behind her, Norman Maine. So he takes her lipstick away because she was, of course, applying lipstick. And he he draws a big heart on the cement, on the um, cinder block wall backstage with their initials in it because um, it's always going to remember the night that Esther saved Norman Maine. Because nothing lasts like lipstick. And she was upset because it was a new lipstick and and. Cinder blocks would definitely tear up a lipstick. Oh, that lipstick's gone. It's been chewed up. So next scene. Um, Wait, oh, at no, this point no, in my so notes, I have. All right, this is what we've we've met. We've met Norman Maine. He's drunk. He. I didn't find him very charming. I mean, I I'm not a rocket scientist, but I can kind of tell where this film is going. And my notes is seriously, she's gonna date this guy. Like, this is the first time that you meet him. He's just blotto. And you're like, no, but well, there was something about him. Yeah. All right. And seriously, he's going to date her? I mean, come on. Does, how can he even remember her? I mean, he was drunk, people. Yeah. Yeah. He was drunker than Wendy on election day. Okay, so... <laughs> um. Uh, so he says, have dinner, do it, Aaron. Have, have dinner. dinner with me. Have dinner with me. She goes, we can't. Yes, we can. If, and he, then he goes, if I don't get my way, I tend to break up people and things. If I don't get my way, I tend to break up people and things. That was the best you've done yet. So she argues and uh, she said, no, 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 we can't, we can't. And she leaves. Yeah, because uh, who wants Danny. to hang out with the guy this drunk? He's the well, drunk guy. And Danny doesn't understand it. And he's like, uh, uh, come on, you're the, you don't want to hang out with him because, Aaron, he's the drunk guy. Because he, yeah, oh, Dan, yeah, he's the drunk guy. He's going to puke and, on and, you at some point really soon. Yeah. And she goes, drunk or not, he's nice. Yeah. Like he, I was just like, what? How can you tell she? He's nice. You don't know who he is. He's drunk. That's the liquor talking right now. So, um, the next scene of the valet uh, is picking up his strewn clothes. Where I expected to see her strewn clothes as well, but this was 1954, right? So it's just his strewn clothes and. I, I believe Libby is telling the valet he has to be at the studio at 6 o'clock sharp in the morning. Now, anybody has to be going, oh, my God, no. And so he goes, hide the car keys. And the valet's going, hey, when he's like this, he's good for the night. And so then it shows him sleeping like a baby I'm and I'm smiling. Oh. And then he wakes up and, and he's remembering something. Something was nice. So, uh, evidently, uh, Valley the Valet did not hide the keys because the next thing you see, he drives himself to the Coconut Grove. That uh, guy is, uh, Aaron, is this where the grove is now? The grove, is that what the Coconut Grove was? Uh-huh. 
I have no idea. Just heard from the peanut gallery. No. The Coconut Grove was a club. Yeah. Okay. Peanut gallery left us. And the Glenn Williams Orchestra is playing there. Yeah, but when he arrives, I mean, he's arrived and it's already, uh, like, after hours. It's past 1.30, which is when the Glenn Williams Orchestra finishes. Yeah. So th- th- at this point, this is where I'm saying, this guy's been... How are there not uppers involved in this guy? Because he he was already super drunk, passed out, and now he's wide awake and ready to go dancing? And stone cold sober. <sighs> or I guess as sober as he gets. Yeah. So the um, the dude at the bar says, no, no, the, the girl you're looking for, they finished at 1.30, but they always go on, there's this little club on Sunset Boulevard where they go after hours. Right. And so he, but in this, in the Coconut Grove, he's looking at, at all the, the women that are there. Oh, well, he's on the prowl. He's on the prowl. And the maitre d' is trying to steer him to the correct um, woman for him. And he's going, no, that one's too young. I had a very young week last week, he said. And then um, the maitre d' says, how about this person? And he goes, oh, no, she hit me over the head with a bottle. And I only let him hit me once. (laughs) Oh, James Mason. Then there's a girl in a green, green dress and he says, how about that one? And I, I replayed this because I didn't understand. The maitre d' says, no, she's Pasadena? I felt like he said Pasadena. I he said Pasadena, too. Leave it alone. Um, but she looked like she could be a person of color. Yeah, Pasadena. So there's, he's supposed to leave that alone. I guess I guess Pasadena obviously is code for like either uh, not quite white, n- like not white enough, or like uh, I don't know, like different muddy. Obviously, there's something about Pasadena. Yeah, and and I felt it had to do with color, the way that he was saying it, because she looked like she could be Hispanic. I mean, Pasadena's super nice. So, you know. So then he goes, no, no, none of them. He goes to the jazz club. And um, Judy is there. And, um, and of course, she sings The Man That Got Away, which I got to say for me was the only, like, in the movie. Good song in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, it was like the best performance and here I wrote, um, she, she has volume. She belts it out. And she, she does this thing where she puts her hand through her perfectly quaffed bangs and they stick straight up. <laughs> she does that um, a number of times. <laughs> and she looks quite pleased with herself. And then she notices that Norman Maine is there. And they're going, oh, we got to get rid of him. She goes, I'll get rid of him. Um, no, 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 I'll get rid of him. And I wrote cold sober in all uppercase letters. How is he cold sober? I wrote, he's sober? 
And she's like, oh, that was a jolt of pleasure. I, it's like a, a prize fighter or, or like a, or, or like a, like a golfer or something. Oh, oh my, oh my, you, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> I nailed it. You did that pretty well. So he, he wants to talk to her one-on-one. So he's taken her through all these rooms in the, in, the, in the club. He finally gets her into the alley. And, and he says all that that Aaron said. And you've got that little something extra. You've got that, you've got that little something extra. Has, has nobody ever told you that before? You did extra perfect. Um, and he goes, you're wasting time singing with this band. And uh, Danny comes out, and Norman puts Judy in his car. Uh, I'm sorry, what's her name? Esther in his car, and yeah. she's going. And so she's riding with him, and she's, she's, you know, she's in a convertible with this, like, let's say, uh, uh, George Clooney. After he's, you know. It's not a George Clooney standard at this time, but at one point he was a George Clooney type actor. Right. And he's still so, at this point, he's still, even though he's like on the down side, he's not, he hasn't hit rock bottom yet. Like he still has some cachet. People right. still know who he is. The schmoes still think he's, he's all that. And so she's riding in his convertible. She's the nobody riding in his, in his convertible. And she goes, the only thought in my head is I need to wash my hair. Well, I know you don't understand. I know you don't understand. But when I have a lot of stuff going on, I just revert to uh, washing my hair. No, oh, my, uh, my mind is so sorted. I, I just can't sort it out. <laughs> I was almost there. I know. Um, you, have to, you have to get that that sort of frenetic, drug-induced, scatterbrain sort of. And he goes, I totally get it because I putt golf balls. Oh, no, I totally get it. Oh, see, I've lost it. I can't. Ah, oh, I'm done. Because you went to Judy instead. And, um, and then she goes, I'm not good at talking about myself. Um, when I sing, I'm most alive. And she says she has this whole scrap- uh, scrapbook about herself because he's asking her questions about her past and her parents and where she came from. And she said, I'm not good at talking about myself, but I do have this scrapbook upstairs. So he goes up to her. I thought it was an apartment, but I guess it was a hotel room. No, it's a, an apartment. They're furnished. Uh, it was a furnished singles. So they have like extended... Like if you're, you know, because it's Los Angeles and especially at that time, you know, if you're going to be out here for working for the pictures, the studios, or you're going to be recording, you can set, you know, rent yourself a furnished single. So that's what it, it was, was. I thought it was pretty nice for somebody who's just singing with a band. Well, one, it was the 50s. Um, and two, yeah, it, it was it was nice. But in three, she was white. So <laughs> she's, she's, she's got it made. No Pasadena there. No Pasadena there. She had a nice, she had a view. Did you see the view she had? Yes. And that cute little fountain. Yeah. And she would just leave her door open. That's, that's, that's coming up. So, um, she, she's telling Norman that there once was this talent scout that let her make a record once. Um, and, and 
Norman goes, your dream isn't big enough. And she goes, well, I leave for San Francisco tomorrow. No, no. I'm James Mason. You must stay here with me. Your dream is not big enough. Leave your band. It's just a chance. Take a big chance. Take a big chance. um, Don't be scared to take the plunge. He goes, I'll call you in the morning. First thing in the morning. Don't ever forget, no matter what happens, though, don't ever forget how good you are. Do you hear me, Esther? Don't (laughs) ever forget how good you are. I'll call you first thing in the morning. So he goes back to his house and he calls Oliver, the studio head, um, (laughs) in the middle of the night. And he's telling him about Esther. Oliver, I've got the greatest, I've met the greatest woman. Oh, she's fantastic. She sings like you've never heard. It's that jolt of something. It's like a boxer. Oh, have I wakened you? Oh, you must, you must see her. (laughs) So back at his place, he gets another drink. And then he gets another drink. So you know that in the morning. Anyway, so she's tossing and turning in her bed. She gets up, she puts on her robe, and she goes upstairs to Danny's apartment, which is just above hers. And she just walks in. No lock. No, nobody locks their... This is Hollywood, people. Nobody locks their doors. It's the 50s. And so she goes, Danny, I'm quitting the band because um, I, I, Norman's going to get me a screen test. He gave me a he gave me a look at myself I'd never seen before, and it's bigger than I ever dreamed of. I'm not turning back. And Danny's going, "Oh, you fool!" Then why do you feel this? And then the still shots come on. See, this is all in color. Yeah, the still shots are black and white. Oh, that's being kind. They're in brown and white. At this point, I thought my computer had frozen. I thought I was like, "When did this become some sort of French movie? What the <laughs> hell?" Well, there was reason behind it. So, remember in the beginning how we were saying there were all the different run times for the lengths, right? And at one point, when they made the cut, in order there's something technical, and in order to um, uh, to uh, oh, what's it called? When they went to cut some stuff, they wanted to keep the silver intact in the film, so they ended up having to burn it. And oh, I found an article on it that was explaining what had what happened. The silver color? No, well, there's silver. See, in film, in old film, there was like silver. I don't know if oh, it was silver nitrate so- or something. And, and that's why that's why a lot of like a lot of you would hear a lot about it in the 90s. How like Martin Scorsese was trying to restore them because the film was actually breaking down and a lot of them would just combust and like catch on fire. And it had to do with the chemicals. So at one point in, in order for some for some reason, they had to they burned the the footage and so let's see 
1974, film historian Ronald Haver was doing a Cukor, a Cukor retrospective at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art for the showing A Star is Born. He put together a brochure featuring stills from the cut scenes and descriptions of what was missing. This triggered interest at Warner Brothers when an apprentice film editor discovered the complete three-hour soundtrack in the sounds in the sound department storage vaults. Haver wanted to create a restored version using the soundtrack with stills filling in for the missing scenes, but was Which unable really freaked me out. to raise the money budget through the LA County Museum. So eventually like they were, that's what they were able to do because they had lost the footage and all they had were stills available. I wish there had been a disclaimer at the beginning so yeah. that I wouldn't push so many buttons on my computer well, I didn't push buttons into my computer. I was just thinking it was a stylistic choice, and I couldn't figure out why because I'm hearing the sound. So I'm like, well, obviously they filmed this. Yeah. And then it's just going to these stills, and I, I couldn't understand why, aesthetically speaking, that they went to this. And so now that's really interesting because I wonder what George Cooker would think about such such things. Yeah, really. Because... But- well, the stuff like with the stills, it's all about their relationship. And they were beautiful pictures. They were, Yeah, they were beautiful pictures. But I mean, can you imagine the film without the stills? Because that's how it was released. And you're exactly. pretty much getting rid of their whole... Like the whole movie is about their relationship. And you've exactly. just... You've gutted the movie. So it's all it is is just a bunch of like her singing. Yeah, all the musical numbers. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, once the second still came on, I figured out what was going on, and then I could start to, like, look at him. Okay, so, um, cool. still shots of Judy saying goodbye, pictures of him passed out, and you can hear the soundtrack, like Aaron said, so it's, it's really disjointing at first. And... Um, so he, you hear that he's going on location for a long time, and that's why he had to be up at 6 in the morning. And he's going out to sea to do some kind of a sea movie, probably Moby Dick. And uh, she's just standing by the phone waiting for it to ring. And Danny had asked her how much money did she have, and she said enough to last a couple weeks. So he's going to be gone more than a couple of weeks. Um and so I put here, are these the cut parts? And, um, but you hear him yelling for people to find the girl because he, he's been pretty good on this film set. You need to, I need to find her. Somebody, it was something like poinsettia apartments. It was something like that, please. Exactly. And it was actually oleander apartments, which oleander is a poison. and he gets he got really sick being in all that ocean water i'm Um, not drunk i just seasick damn it (laughs) okay so now we're back to action and judy's going into her hotel and um her landlady says hey esther somebody called you about a job and so she's sure that this is norman uh, but it is actually a part for singing during a commercial that is a puppet show. 
Yeah. And it is um, uh, with a Hispanic tilt. So it's for some kind of coconut shampoo. Um, At this point, because she's uh, like out of money, I think she's had to move to a different apartment. And Danny calls to tell her the band's getting together and they're willing to take her back. And at this point, she's working as a car hop. Those youngins of you who don't know, like places like uh, Big Boy or... Sonic. um, Sonic. Sonic still has the car hops, yeah? Yeah. Where you would pull in and you'd use a a speaker to order your order and uh, the girls would come out with roller skates on to bring you your order to your car. You know, when America was great. Yeah, back, yeah, when America was great. So um, Norman, next scene, Norman is talking to the old landlady. No, the new. Because he was at Oleander Apartments. No wonder I couldn't remember. Uh, ma'am, have you seen uh, this woman? She has brown hair. I don't remember her name. Oh, but the most glorious voice ever. Really good. I know. That was, like, really, really good. (laughs) Name was spot on. Um, so, So as he's talking to the old landlady, he sees the commercial and he hears... Uh, Judy's Chops singing it. Hey, Who's that voice? Where's that voice coming from? Her voice was really good. Um, so then he finds the Hotel Lancaster and nobody locks the door because he just goes in. Here I and, am! Um, it's, her, it's her room, but she's not in there because she's on the roof washing her hair. Oh. On the roof. Why is she washing her hair? Is that 50s thing, Ma? Did you have to go on the roof to wash your hair? No, that's, remember when her mind is too full of things that she, um, did I say that she told Danny, no, she, she'd never go back to the band because she still, she still has her dream? Anyway. Okay, well you just And did. when, when her mind is cluttered, she washes her hair, but, uh, my I never went on the roof to wash my hair. All right. I, I haven't either. So he's walking out, and she sees him, and she calls to him. And she says, come on up. And then she's so upset because she looks terrible. She looks terrible. Oh, I like this. You're, <laughs> yeah. Keep and it he up. goes, let's drive to the beach. Well, let's, let's go. Let's, I have an idea. We'll stop for hamburgers, and we'll drive out to the beach, and we'll get a late supper. But I look terrible. I look terrible. Oh, darling, you look fine. Your nose is a little weird, but you look fine. (laughs) You're you're hopped up a little bit. but So the next um, scene, she's at the studio. And she's sitting in like a makeup chair. And three men are looking through these humongous magnifying glasses at her. And they're talking about what a mess she is. Her nose is wrong. Well, we. And um, something's wrong with her ears. And, and they have to. No, they can't figure out what to do. And they're discussing which solutions to do. So then the next scene, um, you see her. She has on. A blondish wig. Well, just just imagine Judy Garland dressed up like Marilyn Monroe, and it didn't go well. Yeah, I was thinking dressed up like Bette Midler when she's 
purposely doing it so it doesn't go well. Because yeah. the dress was over the top. Pink. She it had, was like hot pink dress, blonde uh, wig. All kinds of guga on the dress. And, and she has a prosthesis on her nose. And so he's walking past her. He doesn't even recognize her. He's like, oh, hello. Yeah, I'm late. I'm meeting someone. So he goes, what have they done to you? So he takes her to, I said, his rooms at the studio. It was his dress. That was his dressing room. That was his dressing room? That was his dressing room. Damn. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was nice. Nice. Uh, And he, he rips the wig off of her, takes her nose off. He goes, take it all off. Take it all off. Take it all off. Wash it all off. You don't need any of that. But, but my face is so awful. It's all right. I'm scared stiff. <laughs> of course. Of course you are. We all are. Of course so, you are. We all are. Don't you but know? I'm scared stiff. I'm scared ah, stiff. Pour me a drink. <laughs> At this point, I needed a drink. Oh, man, this, this movie was going on. Uh, then, then they're at publicity, and... Um, they say, okay, you've just signed a contract with us. And she has her pathetic little scrapbook with her. Are you okay, Aaron? I am. Okay. I, just, I can see Erin today. It's the first time. So I've been enjoying looking at her face. <laughs> um, and nobody's interested in her scrapbook. Nobody. And they take her to the fashion place where they take her to Mr. Libby, who takes to see Oliver nobody wants to talk to her nobody wants to meet her because she's you know just a bit part but they're all glad that she's there yeah we're glad you're here get out of my way get out of my way Um, she stands in front of the screen because Oliver is screening a western at the time and finally they just say show her the way out of here get her out because she like really freaks out she's like like she doesn't she's like oh and she's right in front of the projection so she's blind and she's like i don't know they're like get get this woman out of here but but again we're happy you're on board (laughs) um hey so then mr libby just shuts the door on her esther blodgett whoa oh and and so she oh so he says what's what's your name and she goes esther blodgett and he goes uh we'll have a new name for you by the end of the week bye-bye 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 now and then she tries to go there's a turnstile uh i don't know if any place has those anymore yeah like subways have them oh subways still have them that tall Mm -hmm. yeah um Okay, and so she cause she tries to go out the intern stuff. Yeah, so that was a little bit of comic relief, which was much needed. Next, she's on the set, and her her job is to wave out out the window of a train, but you're not supposed to see her face. So they had to do a whole lot of takes because she kept getting her face in it. That reminded me of Lucille Ball, whenever it was Lucy, and she'd have a bit part, and she always tried to get her face seen. So that her friends would know she had been in it. Yeah. So she got. But then after, but but it's sort of building up on this this thing with her, because it's like oh her face like you know and she goes and they have the guys and they're like picking her face apart 
and then he takes like off her face and he never says that she's beautiful when he takes off and is like oh wipe all that away he's like your face is good enough it's really your voice that's the thing <laughs> like your face doesn't have to be fantastic it's the voice that's gonna put you over the top and then her first like movie is like that and it's like oh no we got her face so you can kind of see how it's kind of giving her a bit of a complex and that really happened to her on The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. This she is... first went into The Wizard of Oz. They, they went through all that. Her ears were wrong. Her eyes were wrong. Her nose was wrong. Her mouth was wrong. Um, and, and, you know, she was, she was an uh, attractive person, but she was not a Hollywood beauty by any means. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean she wasn't ugly. No, she wasn't ugly. But she, she but then was, she also didn't because in this movie I think she was what thirty two, and she had not done herself any favors. That's true with her lifestyle, right? Because she looked older than thirty two. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. It has. And I looked at the time at this point, and I had two more hours to go, and I thought, whose idea was it to do? It was not mine. It was yours. And so it was I mine? Said, I, yeah, I said A Star is Born, and you chose which one. I, You know what? Yeah, and I do. I stand behind it because I wanted to see the Judy Garland performance. And it is a, a performance. It's, it is a performance. I don't need to see this movie with, with Babs and Christofferson. I saw it in the 70s. And, yeah, it wasn't this long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I'm going to look so, it up. Uh, the head of the studio to Norman's place. Um, head of the studio to, oh, goes to Norman's place. And we find, and so Norman is in his dressing room and he's saying to the head of the studio, we need to redecorate in here. This stuff has been in here forever. It's like antiques and um, medieval. But, but he did it because there, that Oliver was working on a movie and the singer, something happened to her and she couldn't do the movie anymore. So they were looking for a new singer to do a movie. So Norman is actually, we haven't seen him drunk in a while. No, he's, he's on the straight and narrow. He opens his doors to the, I'm going to say courtyard and has Oliver sit behind them while Judy is belting out a song. I, I hope it was the man who got away. I don't remember which song it was. And finally, I mean, Oliver keeps going, what? Shut that door. There's so much racket. And uh, Oliver's going, no, we, we need some breeze in here. And finally, he hears her singing. He goes, who is that singing? And um, he goes, is she still around? Um, she's, uh, and the, so it was obvious that Norman got her the break that he had promised her. I, g- I gave you the break. I don't know. That took a weird turn. So, so the next shot, they're on a studio stage dancing. And then more stills come. And the, the voice is saying, giving her advice on how. Oh, and then the movie is finished. So now they're in the car getting ready to go to the premiere. I'm thinking, they called it preview? Yeah, the previews. 
Yeah. Now, and now just so you know, I uh, hope the first movie is probably going to be horrific. So, so that that's actually good news for you. It'll make your movie seem better. I think was what I said. Uh, because his mo- movie was also previewing, and he had heard that his movie wasn't very good, so it would have to make her movie look better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there. Let's see. Giving her advice on how to handle it. So in the movie, she's singing Swanee, How I Love Ya, How I Love Ya, and taking bows. And then she sings, I Was Born in a Trunk, at which point I wrote, they can write a song about anything. <laughs> what was that, like, vaudeville? Like, she was born in a trunk, like vaudeville, like Buster yeah. Keaton. Yeah. So she's, uh, this is always, this is in my show business, this is in my blood. My blood. It's in my blood, you see. I don't know anything else. And I wrote, Doris Day had nothing on Judy, volume. <laughs> then she sings, I'll get by. And uh, every time we see her, it looks like she has padded bras. And the padding isn't doing any, any justice. It, it's like all crumpled up. Her boobs did not look right to me. Uh, well, she she just didn't look right. Yeah. There's a montage of trials to becoming a star in film. This is the longest sequence of the film. Oh, my God. Because uh, she basically, sings Melancholy Baby. We're watching her entire, like, why did we have to watch the movie of her being, like... That, that's what this is, right? Is her movie that we're seeing the previews to? So this is her, like, star-making performance? But that, but it was supposed to be the movie that the other singer dropped out of. But it's just mimicking her life up till now, I think. Yeah. Oh, man. Which was the what they were trying to do anyway. Uh, so we end it with Back to Swanee, where we have Mammy, How I Love Ya. <laughs> And there was a mammy. And uh, then it goes back to born in a trunk. And then intermission comes on. At this point, I didn't know if it was intermission for A Star is Born or intermission for her movie that we were seeing. It had to be for the A Star is Born. It had to be for the movie We're Enduring. We're not, at yeah. this point, we're not watching the film. We're enduring it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, I'm watching those minutes tick down more slowly. I'm watching. I'm watching for all right. Well, where's this Judy Garland performance that I've been told about? Because, yeah, Judy Garland can sing, but I know Judy Garland can sing. Yeah. So after the intermission, they're leaving the theater. And the onlookers are thrilled. The schmoes are going, uh, no, these weren't schmoes. These were people who were uh, invited to the preview. And everybody's thrilled. Yeah. Where's Norman? Norman wasn't with her. Oh, she was walking out with Oliver and Libby. Well, she got, she got, I mean, this is the, this is the part of the movie where everybody's like, a star is born. Because now, oh, we missed the part, though. Where she was at the, where after she was with the the handkerchief, and then she goes to get her paycheck. 
Oh, yeah. And she goes up to the B window and she's like, what's her name? Esther Blodgett. She's like, Esther Blodgett. And the guy's like, you're down at the L's. And she's like, what? And like, you're down at the L's. And so she goes down over to the L's and she's like, Esther Blodgett. And the guy's like, are you new? And she's like, yeah. He looks at this clipboard and she's like, you're Vicky Lester now. It gives her a paycheck. So her name is now Vicky Lester. So she's Vicky Lester. So then in the movie, she's Vicky Lester. And when she has the preview, everybody's telling Vicky, Vicky. And she's with the studio head and like Libby. And everybody's like, they're like a star has born. Everybody loves her. She's the toast of the town. And she's walking, trying to get out of the lobby of the theater. And she's like, where's, where's Norman? Where's Norman? Uh, we didn't love her. Anyway, everybody's talking about her reviews. His reviews were bad. No. Yeah. And uh, her reviews were 97% for a new star. Um, so Norman, so there's, they're at a, oh, they're at an after party. And Norman takes her out to the balcony that is overlooking what the uh, movie started with, uh, Hollywood at Night. And he says, it's all yours. Don't let it change you. It's all your, uh, James Mason, it's all yours, Vicky. It's all yours. Just promise me one thing. Promise me you won't let this change you. Change me? How could it possibly change me? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You're a bit high strung, aren't you? <laughs> yes, it's this new prescription i'm on so he goes i've taken you as far as i can i've taken you as far as i can uh, fly but buddy. i love you but i love you i know but i have a bad habit of destroying things that i love so why don't you get out while the getting out is good it's not too late now it is goodbye don't Esther. say that i'm i might begin to, oh Oh, and so she goes, it's not too late. And he goes, don't say that. I might begin to believe it. Don't oh, say please, that. please, 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 Norman, please. Oh, when you beg in that tone of voice, it's just it's so grating. <laughs> that shrill voice. I'll do anything to make you shut up. So next scene, they're on the set of a new movie. And guess what? She's singing. Well, isn't it the set of the new movie? Is it? Is it, is this where they're doing the the recording for the new movie? Oh, okay, the recording. Is that yes. it? Where she's like yes. with the, in the middle of the orchestra and yes, and yeah, and so she's like singing and the orchestra's playing and she's belting it out and then with the shaky lips, the shaky lips, quivering, and then. Um, she, I guess it's time for the, you know, the band to play or whatever. And she runs over and cause James Mace or sorry, Norman is sitting on the, the steps watching and she runs over to have a canoodle. <laughs> and so the sound guys were first recording the orchestra, but then you see the mic, well, you see the sound guys talking to each other and then the mic come over to record their private conversation. Which they didn't notice that because this mic is like <laughs> it's right above them. It, it's it, the size of a liter of water. <laughs> yeah, and it like it casts a shadow, I'm pretty sure. But no, they're too much in love. No. So he he said um he 
ask her to marry him. Well, so, uh, like, at that point, you know, the music's going or whatever, and then they, they cut, and they're like, all right, everybody, gather around the speakers. Let's play it back. So they play it back. You hear her sing, and then it goes to the whatever, like, the overture, whatever part, and then all of a sudden, like, the voices come in, and I'm like, oh. At this point, I was kind of getting a little uncomfortable because I was like, ooh, what did she say? Was she talking greasy about somebody? Oh, no. And then it was just basically um, they recorded a really, really awkward marriage proposal. Yeah. And he said that he would stop drinking. Now stop drinking if you marry me. And so she accepted. It was just, yeah. So... So they go and tell Oliver they're going to get married. And he says, well, you have my blessing, which was a surprise. Libby's there. And he says, aren't you letting that girl walk into a booby trap? (laughs) And the boobies were padded, not well. (laughs) And Oliver said, well, you know what? She just might save him. So then you see a wedding going on. Oh, no. 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 Um, Oliver wanted to make it a wedding to end all weddings. Yeah, so Libby is all, like, he's he's in the publicity department. He's wheeling and dealing. He's telling he's telling them to call the schools and have them have a half day. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> like, we're canceling school because these two people are getting married. This very new star and this washed-up has-been are getting married. So let's go out half day early. Yeah, so he's trying to wheel and deal, and then you cut and you see, like, this jail cell. You see these prisoners, and the camera kind of, I guess it pans over, and you see that, like, there's a justice of the peace, and he he marries them. Just a a very basic Small-town wedding. Yep. Yeah, I have guys in jail. It was, it, it looked like a Lucy episode, truth be told. And it, they went to the Lazy Acres Motel. Now, I'm assuming, since it was 1954, that this will be when they consummate their relationship. Ooh. I don't think that would have happened before now. She's a good girl. And there's a radio in the room. And you have to put coins. You have to put a nickel in the radio for it to turn on. I like how surprised, too, that Norman was. Because he, like, is playing with it and he's like... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. (laughs) Things don't just work for me because I'm Norman Maine. I'm Norman Maine. Why aren't you working? And so uh, they go, oh, we have our number one tune in America. It's a new world. And so she comes out as her singing. It's a new world, of course. You've got it just the way you dreamed it. And he turns off the radio and she goes, why are you turning off the radio? And he goes, I don't know the line. I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're waiting for me to do it. I was. I don't know. what He he goes, why do I have to listen to it on the radio when I have the real thing here? Sing it to me. Oh. And that's where I wrote lots of vibrato. (laughs) Can you sing it to me? But can you sing it to me in your inside voice? (laughs) Is that possible? She doesn't have an inside voice. <laughs> because yeah, because we're hugging and your your mouth is right by my ear. And when you're going, it's I'm gonna have hearing damage. But my neck is getting a lovely massage from your vibrato. <laughs> ah. Next scene, they're having a big party in Malibu. 
and they're going to watch a movie and they actually have a screening room right in their living room. You just flip a switch and a wall slides down and the projectors are back there. You flip another switch and a screen comes up out of the floor. And so they're showing a movie. I assumed it was going to be uh, her new movie, but it's just any movie, I guess. And um, Oliver steps out of the screening of the movie. So Norman follows him out. And Oliver found a TV in another room. He's watching a fight. And he's and Norman keeps going, what's, what's wrong, Oliver? This isn't like you. And he's going, I just wanted to watch this fight. Now, there's something going on with you. Is it anything to do with me? And he goes, I'll, I'll talk to you Monday about it. I, I don't, you know, this is your party. I don't want to talk no, to you now. No, 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 whatever it is, Oliver, you could tell me. Just tell me what it is. And this is like when your first grade teacher said one time, uh, I'd like to talk to you about Aaron, but, you know, it's not a big deal. <laughs> You're going to tell me right now what's going on or... uh what, is this another, like, gone with the Bushes family secret that's being exposed? What? <laughs> you, you knew about this. Because um, Adam was a baby, and so you were talking baby talk in school because we were talking baby talk to Adam at home. And I went, oh, is that all? I, I'm not worried about that. She had even called over the speech clinician to listen to you to see if you had a speech impediment when you were just talking baby talk. I don't even remember that. And yet it might be one of the most embarrassing things I've ever heard about myself. (laughs) Well, I apologize, but I can guarantee you right now our listeners are chuckling. So we brought them a little bit of chuckle to their day. Great. I'm like, Judy, let me me just drown it in a wine. (laughs) Stay off the pills. So, (laughs) um, you're going to learn all kinds of things. This is your therapy. You don't have to pay for therapy. <laughs> or this is what drives me. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, listeners. So Oliver goes, well, the New York boys have instructed me to buy out your contract. We, we have to buy you out. We can't afford you. Nobody's going to take a chance on you anymore. So pretty much his career is gone. Yeah. He doesn't have a job anymore. He's got nothing. He goes, well, <laughs> wasn't a very good time to build this new house in Malibu. I, I guess he wasn't. I guess I should have reconsidered like, this house in Malibu. <laughs> but hey, hey, you know, hey, there are the studios. That's right. And uh, just don't tell Esther right now. I want to tell her my own way. Yeah. And then at some point he says, I was born with the absolute genius of doing the wrong thing. So now we see Libby. Libby is thrilled to death. Libby is as thrilled as I would be if um, our dotus, our disgrace of the United States, were impeached. Libby is loving life because this guy he hated is now going down the tube. Well, remember also like how Libby was all promoting this whole wedding. And so when they went off and they got married, just with justice of the peace style, that made Libby look really bad to all yeah, of his he, contacts and stuff. Yeah, he said it was going to come back on him. And you also see a Norman main billboard going down 
and of Vicky, Vicky Lester going Lester up. Go, going up, going up. Oh. Um, and now you see Norman golfing in the front room. Remember, that's what he does when his mind is full. She washes her hair. He golfs. And the phone rings. And um, it's for Vicky. And whoever is on the phone assumes that he is Vicky's assistant. So he um, is, is like taking messages for her now. I and guess I'm I'm her secretary now. It, that's what he was thinking, and then the guy realizes who it is, and he goes, oh, "Well, you, he's a journalist. He he probably works for Star or National Enquirer." And he says, "Are you trying to get Vicky to leave the studio, so that uh, and he's because they fired you?" No, 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 and don't start that rumor either. So. Um, so then he goes, can you get Vicky to do an interview with me? So he writes a note in his little notebook because he kind of is becoming the secretary. secretary. You can say it. I'm, uh, I'm securing my masculinity at this point, but I, you know, I mean, you can say it. That's what I've become, and we all know it. I turn to the camera and I say, look at my life. This is what it has become. <laughs> It's only getting worse because Esther comes home. But is it really so bad, I say, audience? I mean, I am in a beach house in Malibu, and I'm putting golf balls in my living room. In my three-piece suit. In my three-piece. I still look fantastic, and I'm not digging ditches. (laughs) I mean, you can feel sorry for me if you want. He hasn't been out of the house all day. He has on a suit, a sweater vest, a jacket, a tie, and he hasn't been out of the house all day. Well, a man's got to look good. <laughs> Does he sleep in that? I do, because I tie one on and I sleep in it. Because he's learning to cook, and you can see where he's been <laughs> playing solitaire. So he said, well, she comes in with maroon tights on and a pink <laughs> shirt. Her, you know her signature look. Well, you have to do is, her voice because she came straight in from like she didn't even change. Oh, I can't. I, oh, I can't see. She, she's <laughs> she's saying. I just couldn't wait to see. You. I just couldn't wait to see you. I had to come. I I couldn't even stop. Are you Are you hungry? I've I've taken up cooking lessons. I can cook. I whipped up some something. Rather, hold on. Hold on. So he brings in this tray of sandwiches. (laughs) Which, hold on a second, because she kind of throws some shade because she lifts up this sandwich and, my God, that thing looked fantastic. It looked beautiful. It was huge. And she was all like, I'm afraid my mouth isn't big enough. I was like, you bitch. That is such a good sandwich. And he made it for you? Oh, my gosh. It was on rye bread. It had had, well, it did have almost a head of iceberg lettuce on it. Yeah, but but that's what, so pick some of that off. uh, Yeah, and cheese and stuff. Like, she, you know, just because the whole, like, width of the sandwich won't fit in your mouth, that doesn't mean you give up on it. (laughs) You find a different way to attack that. I mean, you don't just put a whole apple in your mouth and eat it, You you systematically take that thing down. 
Oh, man. That, you know what? Officially, this is where the movie lost me at that point right there. <laughs> I don't care about Norman and I don't care about Esther Vicky. Yeah. I was like, she he he made her that beautiful sandwich. And she's like, no, my mouth is too small. I can't figure out how to eat it. Well, maybe she has a freakishly small mouth. Some people do. Okay, so then she's talking about the film. Like, does she not realize he's home without a job and she's going on and on about this film? Oh, this film is the best. Oh, my God. It's, it's just it's it's just going to take us places you don't know. It's going to take us to Burma and it's going to take us to Indonesia. And to be and fair, though, he's 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 like engaged. He hasn't checked out. He's like, oh, and Brazil. You forgot about Brazil. Exactly. So she puts on the demo record. Well, because she's telling him about it. And then she does the classic. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm just going to reenact it for you. Let me put on the practice record for you. At which time I would have been like, it's, it's okay. We don't. Really? I'm going to eat my sandwich. Yeah, I'll watch it at previews. Uh, yeah, I, I said he's enjoying it. At one point she puts on a cheetah skin rug. And um, again, the maroon tights and the shirt. Oh, it was... It was agonizing. She puts that, on a lampshade. Oh yeah, for the Chinese dance. Then they they go to Brazil, and she's like, "How's the cart that he had the food in?" Like when she said she was gonna reenact it, she she meant it. Yeah, every note of it. And he he was enjoying it. He was like, he was, <laughs> he was actually <laughs> laughing. And she said, "I haven't heard you laugh in so, I haven't heard you laugh in so long." <laughs> <laughs> then the doorbell rings. Yes. I was and, thrilled that the doorbell rings. And rang she's like, don't nice. get it, don't get it. He's like, I must. I, I, it might be a cable. I, I cabled for a, a new movie. I, I, must, I might be hearing about that. I, I'm sorry. I have to get it. But it was a package for Vicky Lester. And he was like, oh, um, I can sign for it. And and the delivery person goes, oh, are you Mr. Lester? Uh, yes, uh, I guess uh, I am. So you just see him literally deflate. It's like somebody stuck a pin in him. Yep. Yep. So that's when he gets out his little notebook. Gives her all her well, he comes in, he drops it, he's like, this package is for you. Oh, and before I forget, so-and-so wanted an interview, and um, y'all wanted it to benefit for the, the charity, and then you want something else. I said, I'll get back to you, and uh, that looks like it's everything. All right, okay, I'm going to go fix myself six drinks. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> And he's back on the sauce. Yeah. He just fell off the wagon. Uh, and now I'm looking at time going, wow, I think I only have about a half hour left. So it's the Academy Awards. This was when the Academy Awards were held. Well, they were just uh, held in like a, a small place. It was a small. a small hotel room where they had dinner. Yeah. Kind of uh, Golden and Globes. And Hattie McDaniel is over in the corner because she's not allowed to, to sit with her. No, that not the same award show. <laughs> uh, it shows Judy's table, and there's an empty seat. Although, next to her. although now that you did mention it, I gotta say, if they thought that the 2016 Oscars were so white, 
I'm like, talk about Oscar so white. Am I right? <laughs> you are right. Well, that was when America was great. So um, she's up for Best Actress. And guess what? She wins. So she gives uh, gets up oh, Wait, to, wait, wait, Ma. You, oh, you buried the lead there. Because she's sitting there. She's got Danny. There's a blank chair. Her and Oliver. And she's like, I, where's... I, he's running. He must be running late for Norman. Norman's not there. Norman's the empty chair. Her category comes up. The winner is... She wins. So she goes up to give her accepted speech and her games are out. And she um, starts to say her speech. And then you hear loud. I mean, it was really loud. And he comes up on stage I, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you finish but before I let you finish I just want to say you all don't know this yet but I this is going to be referred to as a Kanye what I'm doing right now <laughs> because true that Vicky or Esther as you know is giving her acceptance speech and I am her husband, but I, I've got something I want to say. I want to make a speech. Um, I see a lot of you people out there, and I've made a lot of money for a lot of you people out here. And I know a lot of you know, I know you by your first name. A lot of you people, and you know me too, and I've made a lot of money. And I need a job. That, I need a job. I can do comedy. I don't, I, like, it's not just drama I do. I can also do comedy, and I, I need a, a job. Um, oh, oh, what, go ahead, Esther, Vicky, whoever you are. And he throws his arms back. Oh, yeah, throws it, knocks her, right? Accidentally slaps her in the face. Oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> And she goes, it's okay, it's okay, Norman, it's okay. And uh, she walks him uh, off stage on back to the table. And now, they said her her face was actually bruised for a while from that. Really? Uh-huh. So the next day... Well, no, because then he sits down and he's like, someone give me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If I were married to her, I'd need it. So the next day they're uh, on set, and guess what? Time for another song. Uh, tap dancing. She's tap dancing um, with two little black kids. Yeah. And, and she's got this weird, like, she's got these weird freckles on her face. I, and a weird straw hat and, like. Yeah, like, like hobo pants. Yeah, hobo. And, you know, oh, this I, I wanted to bring this up before. Because one of the dance, I guess it was one of the parts of the, when she was born in a trunk sequences, and she had this wig on, and it was like this silver wig, but I was struck with it because I was like, my God, did Liza Minnelli see that and say like, that's my future haircut? Because she looked just, didn't you think she looked just like Liza Minnelli sometimes? Yeah. Like with her short haircut? Oh, yeah. I was like, whoa. 
that's Lucille number two. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, um, so then they, uh, they take a break. Oliver's there. Oliver comes into her dressing room and he says, how's Norman? Well, he's fine. Well, well, and she, cause she's in there. They take a, cause that's, it's a big number. She does a lot of tap dancing, big number. And you can kind of see after it, she's just run down and like, you could just tell like a lot's weighing on her. Yeah. So, uh, and, and Oliver, how do you think he is? I mean, seriously. So she goes, he's fine. He's fine. He's, he's in a sanitarium. Yeah, he's he's gonna stop drinking this time. He's actually gonna stop this time because it's actually been three months. Because Oliver comes backstage and she mentions how it's been three months since she's seen Oliver. Yes, and then she says to Oliver, "What what is it that makes him want to destroy himself?" Good. Was that good? Yeah. And then um, I'm I'm crumbling away. Love 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 isn't enough. Sometimes, sometimes I hate him, and then I hate me because I failed too. Did you notice Oliver's hair? Well, no. Speaking at this part, at this part, I was like, "This is it. This is the garland I've been promised." Oh, I'm looking at Oliver's hair, which has his own Trump thing going on, because he's got wavy hair, and so he has it going back, but in. On the sides, he has it going up. I, so I, it was, I was, I was watching her. Oh, riveted. I was riveted okay. by her. Okay, well, I was riveted by Oliver's hair. Um, and then Oliver says to her, "Would it help if he went back to work?" And she goes, "All he's got left is his pride." So um, yes, yes, it would help. Um, now close-ups, oh, now they have to do, so she has to go back on stage after she's cried off all her freckles. And now she has to do the close-ups for the song that she just did the, uh, the faraway shots for. Right. Uh, But but she's ready because the show must go on. It is. And, and she, she's basically said with anybody who has been in that unfortunate position of being in love with someone who is an addict and has a disease. Where she's just like, I hate him, but I love him, but I hate him for failing, and I hate myself because I thought that my that my love was good enough for it, and it's not, and I hate myself for being a failure too. And then she has to go back out there and perform. Hence, the prescription drugs. So, Oliver goes to the sanitarium. And... Norman comes down in his robe. It's hard for him to get down the steps. And he has a guy, uh, his chaperone. Cuddles. Who he calls Cuddles. Say it, say it, in, say it in Norman. Yeah, this talk. is my uh, close acquaintance, Cuddles. It's <laughs> perfect. Cuddles, you can, uh, you can leave us. Oliver hasn't brought me a fifth of vodka, so... You can you can just leave us, okay, Cuddles? I actually said that. <laughs> Why don't you just sit there and just watch us? Don't mind him. He's he's here to to make sure 
my protection. Oh, I love the place. Look, it's even got, uh, what is this? Fencing on the windows. <laughs> it's lovely. I don't feel like a loser at all. <laughs> so, um, so then, uh, Oliver says, how much longer are you here? And he says, I'm in no great hurry to leave. It's not like I've got anything. I've got nothing to go back to. I, it's, you've heard her sing, right? I mean, <laughs> so loud, at least it's quiet here. I can at least hear myself think self-destructive thoughts. It's uh, quite refreshing, actually. And I've got Cuddles. Why do you think he has that name? I've got everything I need, really. Thank you. That's the most entertaining this film has been. Oh, my God. So uh, Oliver brought him a script. And, and he's he's pretty excited. A script? Oh, who's, who's my uh, leading lady? So Oliver goes, it's not the lead. What? It's, it's not the lead. Not and the it's lead. not a really long part, but it is a pivotal part. It's a really important part. It is the important part in this script well the really important part of the script is the lead what <laughs> and so he goes don't worry don't worry i'm with another studio and oliver goes well i'm gonna leave it here so you can s consider it for later and he goes i uh, don't worry about it i have more movies don't, going on in uh, england i got so, so much going on i mean it, it, it's ridiculous <laughs> how much i have going on yeah, you would be shocked, really, at how much I have going on. Don't let, don't let the sanitarium fool you. I am an in-demand leading man. Oh. Okay, so the next scene is a racetrack. And Norman is there. And he goes to a group of people he's known, and, and they all say hello and then totally ignore him. Yeah, he's like, oh, hey, guys. Well, what do you have for race number three? And he gets the cold shoulder, and he's like, okay. So he goes to the bar, and he orders a ginger ale, and the bartender goes, with what? No, just ginger ale, my man. So unfortunately, Libby sees him and comes up to him at the bar. And Libby is still thrilled and still, um, oh, he, he's just harsh. Well, he comes up and he's like, oh, well, if it's it Mr. America of yesteryear. <laughs> and he's like, that's a pretty good line. Libby, oh, don't say such things. I, I still want to be friends with you. Do, do they just let you wander around without cuddles? <laughs> I'm the supervisor now. So Libby goes, you know what? I never liked you. Oh, don't say such things, Libby. Why? But, but don't worry, because you can live off your wife now. Oh, no, now you've done it, Libby. Yeah. And, and he throws the weirdest, awkward, weakest forearm. You were frozen and gone. Yeah, well, he throws a weird and awkward forearm. Yeah, and then Libby punches him, and he falls down. And everybody comes around and think he, thinks he's drunk again. But he wasn't. He just got knocked down by Libby. 
So he goes to the bar and he orders a couple scotches. Scotch, make it a double. They think he's drunk. Why? He might as well be drunk. Yep. So the next scene, yes, there is another one, uh, is Esther and Ben's being, uh, no, not Ben, <laughs> sorry, wrong movie. Uh, um, Norman oh. has been gone for four days. Yeah. And they are in the Malibu house with a Christmas tree up and the phone rings and Oliver answers it and says, he's all right. He's all right. Okay. And, um. Judy Garland is holding on to the credenza because she just is so sure Norman is dead. But he's not. He's just, they have to go to night court. So um, Esther goes with him. So they're in court with about 20 other people, men. Uh, Norman is just humiliated to even be standing there. So he has to go in front of the judge and he's a, he's charged with drunk and disorderly conduct. Um, he assaulted and, a police officer and injured him. Yeah. And he's still alive. Not doesn't have any black eyes. Like his eyes are all together. Face not broken. No blood. He's still able to breathe. Yeah. No knee in the back so that he couldn't breathe. Um, and I lost my place. Well, the judge um, sentences him to 90 days in city jail. Because he says, weren't you the Norman Maine, the actor? And you're an irresponsible drunk. You're, you could have injured other people. You had so much going for you. You threw it all away. So 90 day, days in city jail. Yeah, you're right. I deserve all of this. And then his wife, though. I promise. And the judge says he's a menace to public safety. And she, but please, judge, please, I'll start singing for you if you don't let him out. So his sentence is suspended. He's remanded to the custody of his wife. And he goes, I'm so tired. Uh, they go out, and the paparazzi is there. Yeah, snapping pictures. It's like, ah. So, so then. Go ahead. You take it, Aaron. I'm exhausted. So then they, she, they get back to Malibu. They put him down. He's in the bed, and she comes out to sit on the nice, nice porch. There's a nice breeze going, as and you see as evidence which way the breeze is going because they have like these, uh, I guess they're napkins or kerchiefs or whatever for their oh, noses. That's why they blew. Yeah, and they blew, and then they blew past the open window where Norman was sleeping. So you can kind of say like, oh well, I guess their their noise, their talking is going to travel into Norman. Oh, so, good catch! I didn't catch that. Um, Esther and Oliver, I, Esther Vicky Oliver, is uh, you know, she's basically just saying how like the, like I'll, she's telling Oliver this is it. I'm giving up movies. I'm I'm giving it all up. And Oliver's like, you can't give it up. Like, what? Are, you're the biggest star there is right now. And she's like, yeah, but it doesn't mean anything without Norman. He's the one that got me. He's the one that saw the, the you know, what I was. And he gave, he, you know, he basically set me up. He's like, I, she's like, I can't do this without him. 
uh, I'm giving it all up. It's maybe if I'm around more, like, you know, he, he'll stay on the wagon and stuff. And, and by this time, you know, Norman, he's, he's awake and he's kind of listening to this. And, um, so Oliver tells Vicky, she's like, there's nothing left of Norman. He's just a shell. And Vicky, she's like, I don't believe that he's good. And all of this stuff. And so Oliver's like, all right, well, goodbye, Vic, Vicky Lester. And good luck, Mrs. Norman Maine. And so he and Norman at the face. Um, he is grief stricken. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm like I'm acting here. This is me acting. <laughs> I have panic in my uh, my my face is just twisted. Uh, I'm in agony. I'm really trying to show I'm acting. And he did the silent sobbing. Yeah, he silently sobbed, and so he wakes up. He's got his like white robe on. And he's looking out to the ocean, and he does more acting. And the music swells uh-huh. as he's looking at the ocean. And uh, what's her name still outside? Vicky. And after he does some acting, you're like, oh, he's, he's, he's thinking, oh, this man's got a plan. He knocks on the window, and Vicky comes over and slides it open. It's like, oh, you're up, and... All of a sudden, he's like, he's like old, happy Norman again. He's like, yeah, I, you know, I just, I feel fit as a fiddle. What is, what, why do fiddles have to be so fit? I don't know, but uh, I, I just feel so fit as a fiddle. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to be one of those people who goes out and there I go, I'm going to go for a morning swim before breakfast and I'm going to go for a swim before dinner. And when I come back from my swim before breakfast, I want some soup. I want some soup, and I want you to make me sandwiches and soup. And I'll but be not great. sandwiches so big they won't fit in my mouth. Yes, big, large, huge sandwiches. <laughs> and so, and, and she's like, and one more thing that I want. And she's like, yes, Norman, what is it? Whatever you want. It's like, I want you to sing. But I, I don't want you to sing, like, right in my face. I want you to be in the other room singing. Because you <laughs> sing so loud. Like, because it, they really did say that. <laughs> sing from the kitchen. Like, sing from Everybody the kitchen. will be able to hear you. <laughs> we will be able to hear. You can just sing from the kitchen, and I'll be able to hear it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out for a morning swim, and uh, you just keep singing. I'll do that, Norman. I'll do that. In fact, I'll open the kitchen window so that you can hear me, and the whole world can hear me. Everybody can hear me singing. I'll sing for you, Norman. And so she starts singing. It's a new world for me. Norman looks out in the sea and Norman says, but not for me. <laughs> and, he, and he walks down to the, to the beach and he takes off his robe and he puts it on the rock and he wades out into the water, which is the Pacific Ocean and it's Malibu. So <laughs> it is thinking. freezing. That's, that's some cold. He he goes in, and there's going to be some shrinkage there. Don't judge me by this. It's Malibu. This water's freezing, and so he it cuts to newspaper. What does the newspaper say? The newspaper said accidental drowning of uh, great actor, ex film star, ex accidental drowning. Yes, sure. Yeah. So um, Libby's working the phones. 
Libby's working the phone saying, uh, yeah, 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 we had big plans for him. Uh, it, it, we, he's making his whole death, his, uh, quotation marks, accidental drowning, a media event. But, but he wants it, the it funeral was, uh, to be a media event. Yeah, but it, it was tragedy. Yeah, we're all shocked by it. We're shocked. Simply shocked. At which point Libby says, this is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. That was a quote from something else. I yeah, don't know it's what. like literature or something. Yeah, some kind of literature. Highfalutin. So now we're at the funeral. The, the schmoes are outside the church. Uh, mob scene. Yeah. And she's coming out of oh, the church. Oh, she comes out. She's got that veil over her. And then some fan is like, give us one look. Give us just one look. And somebody comes over and rips it off her. Rips the veil and off. And she's like, Whoa! I mean, she had security by her. What? <laughs> Whoa! Um, and uh, then she screams <laughs> with a quivering lip and she collapses. Um, Oliver and told Libby he didn't know. Yeah, Oliver's oh. like, oh, you, you missed a lot not knowing Norman Maine. Because they're back at the studio. They like his there's his, his where his bungalow is. It still says Norman Maine. And Libby's like, how long are you going to keep that around? And Oliver's like, as for as long as I'm here. And they go into his uh, little bungalow dressing room place, office. And Oliver's like, says to Libby, hey, it's too bad that you really didn't know Norman Maine. He was a hell of a guy. Next scene. We're at the, couldn't it end with Norman? Couldn't we, couldn't we go out with Norman? <laughs> no. We're at the Malibu house, and Esther Vicky's sitting by the fire. The doorbell rings, and it's Danny. And he comes, well, the valet, of course, said good night to her. Good night, valet. Good night. Good night. Have a good night. But he does answer the door. Danny comes in and goes, you're not dressed. You're due at the benefit at the Shrine Auditorium. No, leave me alone. And Danny, Danny's having none of it. He says, you were the one thing in his life that he was proud of. Oh, oh, Danny, will you wait for me? Will you wait for me to get dressed? So now they're backstage at the benefit. And well, you, you, you glossed over her second great scene. Cause what she was, was she was Yeah, because she was just sitting there. And she's like, what are you, what are, Danny says, what are you going to do? You get to sit here. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sit here for today. I'm going to sit here for tomorrow. And I'm going to sit here for the week after that, if that's what I want to do. And then. Uh, I felt like that's how long I sat to watch the movie. <laughs> and then, and then you know, Danny has his, like, comeback. And is you know, basically what Ma said. Yeah. And so, uh they're at the benefit. They're backstage. And what is the, what is the cinder block wall she sees? The lipstick. That How is the lipstick still there? Hasn't smudged. It's not a Sharpie. It's not. It was lipstick. And it was cheap lipstick. She probably got it at the five and ten. <laughs> or the five and dime? <laughs> Woolworths, all right. Woolworths, all right. Uh, and she starts to cry. And the announcer says... Vicky Lester will was due to probably sing for you again, but <laughs> we all know what happened, and she won't be coming. And then he goes, wait a minute, and somebody rushes on stage and whisper, whisper, whisper. <gasps> oh, no, no, 
she will. Oh, yes, let's have one more song. That was me writing one more song. No, it wasn't another song. Thank God I can cross that out. The announcer goes, this, no. The announcer goes, Vicki Lester, and she comes out, and she goes, who says this? The announcer says, now I know that you're going to give us a song, but before you do, there are a lot of your fans out there, and they they just want to hear, like, a word from you. So if you don't mind, Mrs. Lester. And so then she says, this is Mrs. Norman May. Mm Mm-hmm. And she got a standing ovation. And thank God the That's words it. the end came That's out. That's it. The end of the movie. <sighs> a star is born. People, do yourselves a favor. Use that two and a half hours to do something else. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, it. it's good in... I was... I found it interesting because of Judy Garland and her as a person and her story as a person. I thought it was very interesting how she was basically playing the opposite character of who she was in real life. Like she was really Norman Maine. Exactly. And that she's playing this the other woman who is like supposed to love her. So I'm like, ah, all right. Yeah, that was interesting. He was trying to dry up and she was trying to get off of pills. Yeah. So um, Actually, in a real... Oscar life. She did not win the Oscar that year. Grace Kelly won it for The Country Girl. But they say she was six votes shy. And did you hear what what Groucho Marx said? Groucho Marx said the biggest robbery since Brinks. Yeah. Which I've never seen the, The Country Girl. So let's put it on our list. Maybe we'll have to do that because I'm a big fan of Grace Kelly. Although I don't think she's like, when I think of fantastic actresses, she's, she's not top of my mind. Um, when I think of beautiful actresses, yeah, then she's like right up there, but she, it would be interesting to see the country girl to see what performance and wouldn't it be too bad if um, it was just because she was so much prettier than Judy? But we or will. We will was, def- I think that's a great idea. Well, the, and also, like the Oscars has a history of um, sort of like the the best the best roles and the best performances aren't necessarily recognized in the the correct year. You know, like there are people who they win the like. All right, Denzel Washington winning the Oscar for Training Day. He was great in Training Day, but really, I think that Oscar was for Malcolm X because Al Pacino well, of won you it. Do. <laughs> but who in the Hollywood elite was going to vote for Malcolm X? Well, I'm I'm just saying, like, and that's the it. The, it if you look, you can find a whole bunch oh, of yeah. stories where, you know, they're like, you want it for that role? But it's like, yeah, it's always like they do makeup stuff. They do weird things. Mm-hmm. That's so, true. That's true. It, yeah. This movie was a box office failure, I heard. Yeah. Well, what happened was I think it did really good on its premiere. And then people heard that they had cut out things and they were like, oh, oh I'm not going to go see it. Well, they didn't cut any of the musical numbers. 
No, remember they did because when it was released, it was 154 minutes. Oh, okay. Remember, the premiere was 182 minutes. The general was 154 minutes. They cut out all the stuff with the stills. All that stuff was cut out. Yeah. yeah. They cut out the trunk scene at one point. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that ended up getting cut out. Yeah. And then, yeah, people heard that. And then. Well, it had to be an unwatchable movie after that. If you, because you're cutting out the. Is like, that she took some of the furniture from the sets to her own home. And um, head of Warner Brothers. Jack, I think. Jack. Didn't know it until he went to her house for a party and saw it there. <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, sh- during the filming of this, she had the, the Norman reputation. She was difficult. She yeah. was always sick. Quote, Or she sick. just wouldn't come out. Yeah. So. <sighs> yeah, so that was uh, the middle of Star is Born. We did this because, um, I think I said last week, we heard that Bradley Cooper's gonna do yet a fourth one. And do you know who the star is? Who's it's the female? Being I think it's Lady Gaga. Wow. So, I'm I'm kind of intrigued. Well, seeing as how I've seen all of them, but the first one, I'm sure I'll see it. <laughs> but I won't. I won't revisit this one. No, 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 no. We we revisited it for people so they don't have to. I want to give a shout out to our our numero uno fan, Wendy. Thank you for listening on your way to and from work. Watch out for that car! It's breaking. Psych. Just kidding. Anybody who is listening, we thank you. We welcome comments on. uh, Podbean and iTunes, any comments or suggestions for future movies? Yes, always open to suggestions. And if you enjoy our madcap recaps, um, don't keep it a secret. Tell somebody. And um, so next week we're going to do what? Oh, wait, what are we doing? Oh, we're doing a Philadelphia story, right? We thought we'd lighten things up a bit. A Philadelphia story. I believe that's Catherine Hepburn, Jimmy Stewart, and Cary Grant. So, that should be fun. Oh, Aaron, you can perfect your Catherine Hepburn. I have to work on it. You got the shakes time. I got the shakes time, Catherine Hepburn. And I have to work on my my Jimmy Stewart. Oh, I'm Jimmy Stewart. Oh, that's pretty good. Maybe I could work on Cary Grant. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, or not. Okay. All right, bye. Bye.